From the darkest reaches of space to the deepest corners of your mind. Your mind. Welcome to From the Void. Welcome back to From the Void in part two of my interview with paranormal author and investigator James Willis. If you haven't heard part one yet, pause, go back and listen to last week's episode first. If you've already listened, then welcome to part two of Historic Hauntings on From the Void. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the skeptical part of me is always sort of questioning the equipment, especially when I see new equipment that comes out. And I'm like, what the hell does this do even? Like, and who designed it? And how do they know that it works in the way that they are saying that it works? And so for me, it's always been, it comes down to, the basic equipment, like, um, you know, an audio recorder. And for me, it, it almost has to be a crystal clear, like, yes, I, I, I hear exactly what this entity said versus like you said, like kind of a un, un, unintelligible sound or like something that's caught on camera. But like, you know, I, I just, I, some of these things, you know, like the, you know, um, EVP uh, or not EVP, um, uh, what, the, device you were talking about earlier that that uh throws out kind of the 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 numbers you know it's, yes it, emf yeah yeah emf which wasn't designed for ghost hunting initially uh to begin with and it's like i don't for me that's it's kind of a far stretch to convince me that that's that's evidence of something otherworldly i guess and i would say that you and all of your listeners who are interested in the equipment to go to ghostsofohio.org and sign up for our free newsletter that we send out every other month because we have a, a column. It's not every issue. Um, but what we do is when new ghost hunting equipment comes out, we buy it. We don't take any sort of freebies or anything like that, but we, we go out, we buy it. We see what it's supposed to do, and then we break it open, and we we say, okay, this is what it's actually doing. And the reason that we do that, despite what these other groups will tell you about me and the Ghost of Ohio, we are not doing it to make fun or poke fun out of other organizations. The reason why I decided to do it and will continue to do it is I have seen far too many good investigators, researchers go out and buy all of this equipment. It, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And I see that fire go out hmm. and I am getting older. I'm not going to be doing this forever. <laughs> and I need the next generation to come up and have that fire within them. So I am not for me. And I, and I tell them if you want to go and buy a piece of equipment, drop me an email, just be like, Hey, if you ever use this, what does it do? And, and again, it's not to make fun out of people that are using this. But for me, if you are using what these devices are, doing as evidence ev here it comes evidence of what <laughs> because if you tell i i always tell people do not do not go online and buy something that has a sticker on it called the ghost meter right <laughs> if you do you've just paid an extra 20 dollars for a ghost meter sticker 
there is no, despite what people will tell you, there is no single piece of equipment that can detect a ghost. It can detect anomalies that could be ghostly or paranormal in nature, but there is no device that will detect a ghost. The reason for that is what I said earlier. Nobody knows what a ghost is. So how can you tell me you created a device that will detect something that we don't know what it is yet? It, 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 it doesn't make any sense to me. And I challenge people, if you have that piece of equipment, I'll buy it. I will buy it and I will try it out. But I have yet to find anything. Most of the equipment that we use are used to detect atmospheric changes that could be ghostly because my general idea about a ghost is that it's a form of energy. What kind of energy? I don't know. But it, it, it comes off the idea when I, you know, when I was very little, I was taught we're all forms of energy. And nobody disputes that. Everybody's like, yep, I dig it. We're all energy. <laughs> they also say you can't destroy energy. It can change form, but it won't ever go away. Everybody believes that. Everybody's like, yep, okay. The weird Willis at a very young age said, well, where does my energy go when I die? Does it just float away into a collective something out there? Or is that what people are saying are ghosts? And so I use equipment that detects changes that changes that represent possible forms of energy. So I will use the EMFs, the ones that give off the numbers. We do use those quite extensively because they will detect, you can have different ones that are like natural energy and microwave energy, all sorts of things like that. What we're looking for is that if a ghost is made up of a form of energy, well, we should see an anomalous spike somewhere. But it could also mean that that spike is because somebody just turned on a television downstairs or because you've gotten too close to your cell phone. Cell phones love to make these things. <laughs> so we don't look at those things reacting as that's a ghost. We just say that's weird. Um, for example, we've all heard the stories that they say we heard that uh, the ghosts walk up and down the stairs. We hear the steps yeah. creak. Whenever somebody tells me that, I tell them start a journal. If you think there's something in your house, it doesn't have to be anything extensive. Just write down the date, the time, and what you experience, because then that gives us something to start digging into to see, okay, well, it's always happening, you know, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday. We can then dig into the history of the location to see if something happened there. Um, but with the footsteps, if someone tells us that, that they hear the footsteps and it's going up and down the stairs, we always tell them the next time you hear it, count the steps that you hear. Because if it's, they only have a three-step staircase, for example, and they're hearing 12, okay, well, it's not walking on that steps. So that might be something that they're hearing something residual or a replay of something. If it is they're hearing just creaks on those three steps. Well, that to me says, if that is a ghost, that means that ghost has to have enough energy or force or mass or stuff to exert pressure on those steps to make them creak. 
So if we were to go out and do an investigation there, we put pressure plates on the stairs and see if those trigger. If it does, that to me is interesting, If especially if there's nothing on the staircase, but they start creaking one after the other and we're hearing. So now you've got something that's audio. You hear the steps. You've got the pressure plates going off one at a time at the same exact thing. And you've got video showing the staircase is empty. None of that means there's a ghost there. It just means there's something unexplained that shouldn't be happening there. I, I love that, though, because I, I think, you know, for, 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 the, for the general public to really take this field seriously, uh, it, it feels like we need to be more discerning in that way. And, it, and from, from what you just described, it's not one singular data point. You're gathering multiple data points that that potentially could corroborate one another. And so, you know, and, and again, you're still not saying, Hey, this is for sure a ghost. You're just saying like something weird's going on here. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And we, we never ever will tell a client, you know, if they call us out to their house and they say, we think there's something in here, even if we got all kinds of crazy stuff that we can't explain when we present that to them, we never say your house is haunted. Because as the quote unquote experts in the field, this is a term that I don't like to be called, but as a very knowledgeable person in the field, if I say to you, your house is haunted, I have just rocked their world and they now will think that their house is haunted. I don't know if it is. And, and, and if you line up 10 people and you say to them, what would you need to see or hear to think your house is haunted? Some of them are going to say nothing. Ghosts aren't real. Other people are going to say the slightest creak. It's a ghost, you know? And so we don't, all we do is we give them what we got. We give them copies of the audio, the video, the photos, whatever was strange to us that we could not explain. And we're like, you do with it what you will. You know, it, if this is enough for you and you think it's haunted, so be it. We're just telling you these are the things that we could not explain. That's yeah, that's I, I love that. I, I think that's to me that that seems like the, the best approach, you know, because you're, you're still leaving room again. It goes back to what we said earlier, you're still leaving room for mystery there and and not claiming that you've got it all nailed down, but saying, hey, we've gathered some evidence here that that makes us kind of scratch our chin and. We're not really sure what it is, but here it is. And, and you can interpret it as you will. Yeah. And when we, um, when we review the evidence, so I have sort of handpicked members of my group. And, and the, the core of the group, I think on average, I'm going to say, have been with me at least 12 or 13 years, if not longer. But when I picked them, I wanted a group that ran the gamut from true believer to total skeptic. And the reason I wanted that is because we have for years and years, um, once a month, we have our, our monthly meeting and it's a three hour meeting. And if we have had an investigation after the investigation ends, we divide up the audio, the video, the photographs. Um, we upload some of it and we have people who couldn't go on the investigation, but they'll kind of give it a fresh set of eyes and ears. And then we all come back together once a month 
And each individual person, what they have reviewed, they put forward things that they believe could be, quote unquote, evidence of something. And then what they do is they each present it. And then we all fight over what it is. (laughs) It's very friendly. But because what I'm looking for is at the end of that meeting, from the skeptic to the believer, we all say, I don't know what those two things are. It wasn't this. It wasn't this. And that is the stuff that we present back to our clients. So we beat each other up before anything becomes known because we want to make sure that we have tried everything. I mean, the audio recorders are notorious. Um, And even when you watch these shows, but again, I can go back to the fact that they're, they're doing this because they want to get results. But when people ask me, they're like, why are ghosts always like whispering? (laughs) And, And I'm like, it's called wind. Because you watch these shows and they've got a digital recorder in their hand and they're whipping it around, you know, and they're getting the wind that's passing through there. So it's it's those little things that we always look at. I mean, we on investigations, we have used everything from real to real recorders to digital voice recorders to our our go to's, which are studio microphones that are. Basically, we run the cable from them. The microphone is on a mic stand with a shock mount, and it runs all the way back to a mixer. Wow. So so there is no that, well, maybe it picked up a wireless signal from something, or, or maybe the, you know, the cable was bad, or it did. So we're trying to make sure, because a lot of times people walking by, if a digital recorder is sitting on a table and somebody walks by, it could vibrate. You know, and if there's no video matched up with that, you're not going to be able to tell. Um, so, again, it makes for an enormous amount of audio and video to go through. But, again, it's finding those little nuggets that are the ones that you're like, I have no idea what happened there. And, I mean, a, a, a real quick story, the thing that we've started finding, which is incredibly frustrating because we've started to find these and I'm like, man, I've got over 20 years of audio that I don't want to go back and look at, but we (laughs) started finding, and I will never forget this, but we were doing, uh, it was an investigation. And um, again, we divided up all of the audio and I was reviewing parts of it. And at one point, Uh, The microphone that I was reviewing, I am up against, right up on the microphone, and I whisper, no, what's it set on? And at that point, I'm like, oh, man, I am so glad that I reviewed that because I broke my own rule, which is don't whisper on an investigation because you don't use your vocal cords. It's very hard to figure out who it is. I didn't announce myself. I was like, I am so glad that I actually was the one who reviewed this. There was an unfortunate yet very good mix up in that uh, Mark, one of our other investigators ended up reviewing that same bit of audio. When we got back together for the monthly meeting, Mark presented that, and I'm like, "Uh, look, that was me. I'm sorry. It was me. And Mark was like, it's not you. And I'm like, 
it's me. All right. I get it. The fearless leader, you can all pick on me. <laughs> and, and everybody's like, yeah, that's, that's him. That's clearly him. And Mark goes, it's not Jim. You weren't even in the room at the time. And you know what? You look at the video. I'm not there. And you don't hear any, you don't hear anybody or anything walk up. The mic is just sitting there all by itself. Not only that, but when, after I said, or whoever said, no, what's it set on? The audio shut off. The mixer had shut down. And, and that to me, and when we went and looked at the, the audio patterns, this is how far we tried to go down this rabbit hole with it. Me whispering, gay, me whispering, no, what's it set on? And then I did that like five or six times, looked at the patterns of that. When we did it with the, we'll call it the audio doppelganger is what we started <laughs> calling it. You look at that, it has some signatures of me, but it's not me. Wow. The audio people who have looked at those two files and we just said, is this the same person? We don't say, is it a ghost? Because then we're, we're biasing it. And it comes back, it's similar, but no, it's not the same person. Which leads to, I call them two bottle conversations, because you need two bottles of your favorite alcoholic beverage to really <laughs> unpack all of this. But how does that happen? And, and what is that? You know, because it's, and again, that was a studio microphone that the camera was pointed at it. There is no one there when it records. It was going into its own channel on the mixer. So when we review it, I mean, you could, since it's a mixer, you can mix channels together, but you can't just do that by accident. Um, I wasn't actually in the building. Now that I think about it, I was out at the car. Wow. That's even, I mean, that's even more impressive. (laughs) It's, but, but again, I don't know what that was, but it got presented as we don't know what it is. And, and to me, that's, those are the parts that I enjoy the most because every, every October I, I roam around the state and I give like presentations at like local libraries and things like, as I said, it's very rare that you'll see me speaking at a paranormal convention. But when I go into these libraries and I'm talking about ghosts, I start pretty much how we started talking, which is this equipment really doesn't do what it's supposed to. It doesn't. And I can see the faces in the audience of them going, oh, come on, man. I want to be scared and stuff. And (laughs) what I do is it's all set up. So see if any of your listeners come to see me now, they'll, they'll be able to tell because Then what I do is after kind of breaking things down and getting people to be like, I don't believe in 90% of this stuff, but I've been doing it a long time because there is weird stuff out there. And then I play the audio and the video. Like we play that audio that I just described to you. You see the video where there's no one there. And that's what freaks people out. And I always end the presentation with a good, you know, kind of like five or six of like my greatest hits. Because that's when I see that spark come back and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm getting into this. I'm going to go, you know, (laughs) that's what I wanted to. I want people to still want to find answers and not get discouraged because it's not like it is on television. Yeah, that's that's really good. 
Um, so speaking of your greatest hits, why don't, why don't we uh, dive into some? Like, what are uh, le- well? Let me phrase it to you this way: um, What are some of your favorite locations in Ohio? And then, what are some of your favorite locations outside of the state? I think I go back and forth with Ohio because there are so many, um, and a lot of them that I go into are where I walk away going, I have no idea what that was, um, are private investigations. So I can't speak too much on those, but some of the public places that I have gone into and walked out and I, and I, this could be a little teaser here is, um, the ink is almost dry on the contract for Ohio's historic haunts too. Yes. So I have already started going out. We have all the locations buttoned up. We have started already doing the research into it. And one of the locations um, that I can really tease, because in November I will be giving a presentation there and showing some of the weird things that we got, is uh, the Defiance Public Library, which is in Defiance, Ohio. Um, even if it wasn't haunted, it is a historian's dream because the defiance library was actually built and right next to it is still there. It's a park, but that was actually where it has the remains of Fort defiance. Um, so initially when they contacted me, I believe it was actually in that. No, I have to be truthful. I, I gave a weird Ohio presentation up there. And, and then afterwards they were like, you're not as weird as we thought you were going to be. And I was like, I <laughs> thank think, you think, I guess yeah. I don't know. You know? Um, <laughs> and they said, which is very, very common as they said, we think there's a ghost here, but it's not really doing anything really crazy. It's not bad. You know, we just don't know who it is. And that's incredibly common. And that's the other reason why I mm, don't really like these ghost shows is because ghost activity on there, it's over the top. Right. And I have heard from too many people who were incredibly hesitant to tell their stories because they say, well, it's not really anything big. It's, you know, we just hear little things or something like that. And that concerns me. It's like, I don't want those stories to die because those are the quote unquote real stories. Um, so we said, well, it's the question I always ask people I'm like, well, who do you, who do you think it is? And they were like, we, we don't know, but um, there was a, a death in the library, but it was the janitor and it was a long time ago and he actually lived there. So he was older, so it wasn't like, you know, the murder or anything like that, but that he had passed away in the building, um, which is now, you know, just like a storage area and a little office down there. And so we started digging into um, the history about that gentleman, but also about the history of the fort. You know, we found that there wasn't a lot of – there wasn't – battles per se you know it, uh, that took place there but in an uh, uh, again a weird coincidence um there were they still have the surveyor's stone that's out there and as 
Mark and I were, were kind of going on and doing like a preliminary thing. Mark, who is Mark is, is an amazing man of many, many talents. <laughs> but that's when he tells me, you know, I um, I'm a reenactor from this time period. And I was like, really, what do you portray? And he goes, a surveyor. Which to me, that is the only reenactor I have ever heard where you're a surveyor. Right. But 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 that's what he was. And so we started thinking, okay, well, what if we put you in your period costume, you're dressed up as the surveyor, and we walk you out to that stone and see if we get any sort of, you know, reactions, if you will. Um, and then right before we were going up there, the library staff said, well, you know, um, the janitor's son, um, became wild bill and he was like a jazz musician. So, and they always said that when we thought maybe it could be him because he used to always play around here and stuff when he was growing up because his dad worked there and, and lived there. And so they had, Wild Bill's records, oh, wow. phonograph records. So I have in recent years become a big fan of, uh, you know, it's always like, it's very easy, no matter what time period you're talking about, but it's very easy to find things that people don't get along for, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like, I don't like this, but it dawned on me. It's like music, Everybody likes some form of music, you know, in some way. And it and I started looking at it like it's a total sidebar, but I am a I am a huge fan of the group Queen for like decades and decades. So oh, and, love Queen. And yeah. I, when uh, uh, Freddie Mercury and Brian May were doing "We Will Rock You" and "We Are the Champions" separately, the idea that they came that they came up with was, what is something that our fans can actually like sing along with through there. And the whole idea of the, the we will rock you was because, okay, if they're packed in, well, they can stamp their feet and clap their hands. But the idea behind both those songs was that at a concert or when listening to music with, with people, you're all unified. When you go to a concert, you are, you're a big, you know, if you go to a sporting event, you're still going to have people for the other team, but you're all together at a music thing. So I became a fan of incorporating period music or music that might become something that would bring people together. So we decided we were going to dress Mark up in his surveyor costume and walk him out there. And we were going to then also play military music from that time period. Then we thought we would go down into the basement area and play Wild Bill's music. Um, we also took Mark's reenactment surveyor stuff and we put it up in the window of the library because at the far end of the library, you can look out over the fort. So we, we put an old map up there and put all, and put all of these... Um, uh, it's a Vernier Lab Pro thing. It's basically all these different sensors to detect energy and things like that. So we put those all around those, and then we went outside and we all hid because we're like, well, if there is a ghost here and they identify with Mark, but they're like, 
who's that guy with that boom box thing? Like what's a boom <laughs> box, you know? So we were all hiding. We were playing that. And, um, Mark walked out there and he stood out there. Now we did not get anything out there at the time. Um, but inside the temperature and the electrostatic charge both started behaving strangely around the maps and things like that. So we were like, okay, there could be something there. Maybe there's not. Um, later, when we went down and we played uh, Wild Bill's music. It was not until we went home and were reviewing it. Um, and I, 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 I play this at all of the presentations because this is just, to me, this is mind-blowing, is that um, so to set it up, there was a, um, a digital voice recorder that was sitting in full view of a camera, a video camera, on a metal shelf. Um, facing, and the camera is facing towards the, the doorway to the storage area where the, the janitor's uh, home was. We're playing Wild Bill's music. Now, Mark and two of the librarians are in the room, and they are just talking. The music is going on. I think we played it for about 20 minutes. I would say roughly about 10 minutes into it, there is suddenly an undeniable rhythmic tapping that sounds like somebody tapping along to the beat. But, I mean, it's more of a like like that kind of thing that goes on to the beat for about 20 seconds and then stops. There is no one near that digital voice recorder. The camera does record Mark and the two women talking. So you hear them. This comes up and over it in one specific point of it remains entirely on beat. And it sounds like it's on wood even though the recorder was on a metal bookshelf at the time. That, oh, the, weird. That, that wooden banging noise, tapping, whatever you want to call it, did not occur anywhere else in the building for that entire evening. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> that's and, awesome. And, and again, it's it becomes weird because you're like, that to me is what you would call an intelligent, like it, it's cognizant mm. of us because it heard the real music. It's not like a, a, like an imprint or a replay of something because it was doing it in time to the music. And this is not one of those, well, if you close one ear hole and you kind of open the other one, you might hear something, you know, it is so loud and when you pull up the the voice pattern you know you pull up the audio pattern of that you see the spikes of it within the music it's on time it is on time and it but again that becomes a frustration because it's like well does that mean it's wild bill does that mean it's the janitor does that mean it's a, a patron who just made their way back to the library and they like that kind of music it was somebody from the fort that we stirred up when we were out there and they came inside because they liked the music or is it just somebody random, you know? And again, I don't know, but that's what makes it intriguing. It's let's go back. Let's dig a little deeper. It's like, you know, it's the old story about the onion, you know, peeling back to get to that other layer that's in there. So that's, that's one of my 
recent phase, and I say recent because this investigation has been going on for several years up there. We keep going back and trying different music, trying different forms to kind of investigate with it. So that's one of my things that just pops up in my head that it's one of my favorite ones. You know, I mean, I, I've been to, you know, Mansfield Reformatory several times. Um, always get something there. Um, never any closer to what is uh, to what is actually there. But in a place like that, it's very, very hard to tell. My, I mean, my favorite thing from um, Mansfield happened quite a while ago, but it's one that I, I, I again, one of the greatest hits that I tend to bring up is um, – when we do an investigation and we sometimes, and we still do this, if you, the, uh, the newsletter that I, I mentioned earlier, if you sign up for the newsletter, which is free, as long as you're an active subscriber, we have your email address. We don't sell it, but you, you are always entered into a contest, which COVID signed up, sort of knocked it down, but it's making comeback now. Um, the contest is spend the night with the ghosts of Ohio. And what happens is if we pull your name from the email list, you and a guest get locked in to a famous location in Ohio for the night. And we, we joke around and we always say, you know, if, you know, you just bring your courage, we will bring all of the equipment. You just bring your courage and maybe a change of shorts and we'll, you know, <laughs> take care of you. But one of the places that we went was Mansfield. And what we do on all of our investigations is we do set vigils. For a set period of time. So what we will do is we might say, you know, if we were at Mansfield, say we would say, okay, um, you three, you're in solitary confinement for the next hour. So you are there until 10 and 18 p.m. You can go anywhere you want in solitary, but you can't leave. The reason for that is we want to make sure that, you know, if you're in solitary and you hear somebody walking around in the cell block you know there's not supposed to be anybody in cell block at that time. So that's what we try to do is make sure everybody is there. So this particular bit of audio that we got, it was recorded on a digital recorder. And the reason was, is that they were, it was three women. One of them was my wife. Uh, and the other was uh, Julie, who was a Ghost of Ohio member, and then uh, Brandy, who was a guest. She was one of the contest winners. And they are the only three people, just the, the, those three ladies, in the world's tallest freestanding cell block. So they are just walking around by themselves. And they've got the digital voice recorder going, and it was just because they were so deep in there. They were well beyond what we could reach with the, uh, the microphones. And we had a device that we give to all of the newbies just because it has lights. So, you know, they're like, Ooh, <laughs> look good. at it. Yeah. 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 And, so, yeah. And, it, and this device has three lights on it, a green for, I think it's okay. A yellow for caution and a red for danger. So we always give it to the new people because all it means is that if it goes up to danger, we always say it doesn't mean the walls are going to start bleeding. It just means that the EMF, you know, the electromagnetic field is kind of high. That's all it means. But we don't tell them that in the beginning so that when they see it go to danger, you know, they get a little scared, you know, and then we <laughs> explain it to them. But for this particular clip, uh, Brandy, who had never used the equipment before, she was just walking around with it and it kind of flickered from green up to yellow. And she asks 
the other, uh, she asked Julie from the group, she said, is it okay that it, it went up to yellow? And Julie says, it's okay. As long as it's not the danger, Will Robinson. And nobody usually laughs because they're either, they don't get the joke or because they don't think it's that funny, but you know, they were lost in space, you know, danger, danger, Will Robinson. But I, and I play this clip in my presentations because after Julie says the danger, Will Robinson, a man laughs so loud that it echoes. There wasn't a man in the cell block with them, and they did not hear that. As a matter of fact, it might be too much information, but it's, it's, it's a good story, is that when I was reviewing it, I was sitting in bed with my wife, and Steph, my wife is actually, she was making jewelry. So I'm sitting there with the headphones on, and I keep telling her, I'm like, look, you guys can't talk as much because you're, it's nonstop talking. If there was a ghost there, then I could be able to hear you. And she was like, well, you know, it was like two in the morning. We had too many diet Cokes. I apologize. You know, (laughs) and I keep going, you're doing it again. You, you can't talk over each other, talk for a little bit, then give a space, you know, I'm going on. And then I'm like, and who's the guy who's laughing? And my wife was like, there wasn't a guy there. And I'm like, I know there's not, but who's there laughing? And she's like, there was no guy there. And so I, gave her the headphones and played it for her. And this is fiendish, but it's the truth. I took fiendish delight in watching the blood drain from my wife's face when she (laughs) heard it. And the reason to to go back to the idea, the power of the ghost story is that personal experience. Steph knew there was no man there, but that that was so loud. She should have heard something. So the fact that, She's hearing that there and knowing I was right there and didn't hear any of that freaked her out. You know, Brandy didn't like hearing it because, again, that's the personal experience. They know, you know, somebody, if they wanted to, you know, mess with me, they could be like, well, you just recorded that and you're just lying about it. And I'm like, you know, I I've been doing this far too long to risk what little reputation I have. To, to, to fake something. So you could tell me it's not this or it's not that, but don't, don't come at me with what I fake stuff. Cause I, I'm, I'm too old to do that, but it's, it's disturbing because it is, again, it's not like now listen really close and you might hear something. It is so loud and it echoes. And there wasn't a man in that entire cell block at the time. Oh man, that's cool. <laughs> I love that stuff. I'm definitely signed up for this newsletter. I want to go on a ghost hunt. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I mean, like you said, you're local. So I mean, uh, this year I'm actually doing a lot of different presentations in the uh, Columbus Metropolitan Library System. So oh, there's awesome. a lot that are around there. So yeah, and if you go to my strangeandspookyworld.com. It's got all of the dates and most of them, most of them are free. I am doing a couple where there's, it's for, to help with renovations and things, but the vast majority of my presentations are free and open to the public. So. Oh, brilliant. I'll put that in the show notes. uh, So people know where to go and check it out. I'm definitely going to go check it out uh, being local, but uh, this is, this is incredible and absolutely fascinating. And uh, I just appreciate you coming on and, and spending some of your evening with me and, Hopefully people uh, get a kick out of this for, um, you know, again, this will be out in October. So we will be in the midst of uh, the Halloween season. 
Sweet. I love it. No, I, I greatly appreciate it. It was great talking with you and thank you for having me on. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it or any of the previous episodes, consider rating, reviewing, and sharing. We'll be back next week with an all-new mystery. And until then, thanks for listening to From the Void. <laughs>